Lorne Fenori City in their hunt for the championship playoffs. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast brought to you by Coleman's of Norwich. And we are definitely unapologetically unsexy, so we can end that debate uh, right there. I'm Connor Southwell, Paddy Davitt, Adam Harvey and Samuel Seaman. Join me to discuss... Uh, the commentary win, the transfer win, all of those good stuff. We'll be able to have a good old catch-up this week. Feels Felt like a long week without a game of football in the middle of it. I think this is the first full week that we've had uh, for a long period of time. But Norwich City uh, made us wait and made us wait for good reason. 2-1 victory at Carrow today. Good atmosphere and it feels maybe like something's moving in the right direction at long last. Paddy Davitt, your boys took one hell of a beating. <laughs> Not for the first time in this fixture. Two oh nine now and counting. Okov win, so um, therefore it was inevitable even when Callum O'Hare put him, put him ahead short after half-time, but uh, no, I mean, fair play. You you can't do much more than the last two home games against West Brom and now Kov. Both sides were in the top six at kick-off and, um, yeah, in a different way, but still, I thought Norwich were merited results in both of those games, so... If you throw in that Southampton draw now, irrespective of how they achieved it, the win at Hull, um, even Leeds losing that game one nil, but you know played well in spells. String all those things together, and that's only since the turn of the year. Um, Norwich do have top six credentials; they are genuine top six candidates. And uh, who'd have said that when they'd lost seven out of nine before Christmas? So it shows you again the madness of the championship. Um, but everywhere you look now, you know, whether it's science, whether it's Sergeant, um, Van Hooydonk now added to the mix, um, it's positives. And, uh, you know, Grant Hanley on the bench today as well to underline it, Danny Bart not even in the mix. So, you know, we won't lurch too far the other way and now it's nailed on, but uh, you can't do much more, particularly in the manner of how they've come back today against the team who won defeat in 16 in League and Cup prior to today. They go 1-0 up. They've got some very good attacking players. That game was then set up perfectly for them to counter and, and that's what they threatened to do. But, you know, fair play to Norwich, fair play to Wagner as well. And we'll probably dig into this in more depth. But he made some big calls substitutions-wise. They've all come off. Um, you look at the two goals, Norwich substitutes were involved in both of those goals. So, big day for him, big day for, for that Norwich team as well. Because at, at 1-0 and then 1-1... As we know now, Norwich have a, a man advantage in 20 minutes or so that probably are going to define this season, potentially, if we look back now. Because you get a point in those circumstances. I'm pretty sure we're talking this. This is a very different feel, this podcast. And David Wagner is going to be um, pulled in for some serious forensic analysis of what he didn't do. But uh, it's gone the other way. And um, as a result... And you saw it again, much like the West Brom final whistle, the scenes there, the thousands who stayed behind, the real sense of togetherness and belief that's now surging on the terraces in that group of players. David Wagner and his coaching staff, everything's there for them now. And, uh, you know, they'll certainly now attack the rest of the season, I'm sure, in renewed confidence. And it's it's a testament to, to Wagner and those players because they've they've had some really dark times and backs against the wall, but... As we sit here now, um, with those games I've mentioned against teams in and around them in the table and a little bit higher, justifiably Norwich are now in this race. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you, you focused on some of the fixtures that you, we, well, Norwich have had this year. If, if you actually go back to that Cardiff game and, and, and take the, the, if you started the league table then and took it to now, Norwich City would, would sit fifth, Sam. So there's, there is evidence there and proof there of a body of work, sustained period since November to, to start of February, which is where we are now, that this is a team that is, at this moment in time, performing as a, a, a team that will be fifth in the table that, that would get you in the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, I think results-wise, long-term, they, they seem to be in a really good vein of form. And in the short term, I think performances are, are sort of getting there as well. So, yeah, you can sort of see the trends of a team that feels like they're going to be up there sort of come the end of the season and apart from those sort of breakaway four who have been outstanding throughout the season really Norwich feel like almost uh, the form team in the championship well obviously that the fact that they're fifth over that period of time suggests that and I think it's been a bit of vindication for David Wagner probably because going into that Cardiff game um, you know that, that you spoke about and that started this run he was 
under probably more pressure than any Norwich manager has survived for a really, really long time now. So, yeah, I think it's it's been a really positive period for him of, of around the the perception of him. There feels a bit more positivity about Carrow Road at the moment. Um, and although the away fans did contribute quite a lot to the atmosphere today, to be fair, it was uh, probably a, a louder Carrow Road than than we've experienced for the large majority of the last sort of three or four years. So, yeah, loads of positives to to take from not only today but sort of that that longer period as well. And yeah, it feels like they're well, I was going to say slowly moving in the the right direction, but it feels like that's even that is picking up pace now. And um, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to it. But for me, there's no coincidence that those good performances have come alongside Josh Sargent's return to the team. I think if you looked at sort of the start of the season and, and now this period, not only are the results trending in the right direction whenever he's involved, but the performances seem to be really built around having him in that team. So I think a lot of it is to do with that. You have to give David Wagner credit for obviously his role in that as well. But yeah, it all feels a, a little bit more positive at Carrow Road at the moment. And um, I think that's what we all want, really. There was a period, Adam, in, in, in this afternoon's game, Callum O'Hare put, put Coventry ahead. Norwich were, were six points behind Coventry. And, um, you know, we know what this league is like and we've, we've kind of spoken about how bad that autumn run was. You can't say six points is insurmountable at, at this stage with, what, 16, 15, 16 games left of the campaign. But it, it would have been a major dent, I think, in, in what they were trying to do. And I think David Wagner probably probably would have admitted that himself. They then obviously get that back to to to, to, to three points of the, the gap as it was at the start of the day when Josh Sargent equalises. And then obviously the Borja Science winner takes it within well takes them within one point of the uh, of, of the top six so it goes to show and I think we David Wagner alluded to this and we alluded to this pre-match as well that the stakes were really high the fact that they've been able to come through a test like this and I guess you could throw in West Brom as well um, at Carrow Road last time out it's testament to, to the character actually in the squad isn't it and one nil down it could have gone so differently it was it felt like Carrow Road was on the brink a little bit um and they were able to dig deep. Obviously, a red card helps, but even prior to that point, they'd scored an equaliser. They didn't lose their way. They didn't implode. And that's a testament to, I guess, the work that they've done in this period of time to build up some of that result. Yeah, and they, of course, they've done it today without arguably their, their key man throughout the season, Johnny Rowe as well. So I think what you're starting to see now is kind of a team that's had sort of periods of games where maybe the defence has been really good, but they've lacked creativity. Um, possession in, in some games has maybe been lacking. Today felt maybe alongside the West Brom game, more of a complete performance. Um, they had that clinical edge. They scored the, the two goals when they needed them. And that little bit of quality, of course, provided by Borja Sainz for the winner um, that gets them over the line. And given the nature of the championship this season and kind of the to and fro in of the teams below the top four and kind of the, the pack trying to get into those two playoff places, it is crucial that they surmount now a, a really good patch of form and pull away from some of these teams because obviously the gap at the moment is still so narrow I mean even if they would have lost today they're still in the race which um, just makes it kind of I suppose you then look at these fixtures maybe at the end of the season and go okay that was a, a defining moment in what maybe cost Norwich getting in the top six much as what we had last season where you looked back at certain games and thought if that had just gone you know in their favour they might have um, might have sneaked in so yeah, it's crucial now for me that they build off this as well. You know, I think recent performances, the recent games, and the results have been great. But um, it's what now happens moving forwards. I mean, next week is a another big game against QPR, who of course are struggling at, at the wrong end of the table. Um, and they need to go there and assert themselves in the same manner they did today. Um, and hopefully that will be enough to to claim another three points. And this kind of upward trajectory they're on at the moment will will keep rolling on. And, and the feel good factor, the momentum, the unity that's starting to build, as we sort of saw at the end of the game today, will um, hopefully. In the in the last sixteen games, you know, keep them keep them ticking over, and let's hope at the end of the season that they're in that top six. Indeed, I mean, I mean, Paddy, you, you kind of touched upon it, but um, the 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 substitutions that, that David Wagner did make, and I think uh, I, I didn't hear it at the time, but I've I've heard subsequently they were uh, not greeted in perhaps the the, the best fashion at the at the time in t in terms of some in the stadium. I don't think it was anywhere near a, a majority because I certainly couldn't hear it, but there are definitely people saying there was there was some uh, adverse reaction to that. But ultimately, it was it was two substitutes that combined for the for both goals really. But um, Hernandez had, had uh, looked quite lively when he came on. Ashley Barnes, I thought, looked as as good as I've seen him actually in a, in a Norwich shirt in terms of uh, off the bench in in that cameo. And for someone who's quite unsure when that sub was being made, he, he certainly proved me and I guess a lot of other people wrong. But 
the bravery to make those decisions because it would have been easy to crowd please, I guess, and turn to Van Hooydonk and, and throw him on and, um, and and go for that route. But it was a, it, it was a little bit more calculated and, and it paid off in the end. Yeah, and he made the point when I put that to him after the game that it's not just this afternoon. You know, you look at that body of improved results, and I, and I think you, if you dug into those, that there probably are a lot of these calls that he's got right. I mean. No longer of the parish, but uh, Adam Eder at Bristol City wasn't the worst call from the bench, was it? So, and uh, Adam Eder at Cardiff. Now I think about it. Um, so, yeah, and and it, I mean he didn't seek to claim any credit for it, but but given you know the scrutiny that Sam Riley points out, he was under job wise um, for for a prolonged period. I think I think the quote from him was for six weeks he he had to bat away questions about his future at every presser, every his Norwich future. So you know, it does it does redress the balance to a degree, but um what I did here, that adverse reaction, if I'm honest, when Barnes was introduced. So, you know, that is there, it is under the surface and maybe that's a reflection of the turbulence that we've endured this season and maybe following on from the back end of last season as well, because it, I don't I don't think you can given it's the same head coach, completely you know, detach yourself from from what that prolonged downturn was last season, and uh, which was why it was so important he got off to a positive start on a personal level, which he did start the season. But um, yeah, that's what he, ultimately he gets paid to make the big calls at the big moments, and that that at one one particularly um, Barnes was already on by that stage, but one one against ten men um, in the top six scenario that we've we've painted already, um, you know. A draw it wouldn't have cut it today, and and he would rightly have been criticised for you know maybe why were you too conservative in your approach? But the fact that and McCallum came on in that period and he was key in in the build up move for the winner. So yeah, yeah, there's plenty of podcasts we've discussed where David Wagner's decisions have been viewed through a very harsh light. Um, but today he can't can't dispute he got all the right calls at the right times, bang on. And um, he does that more often than not down the stretch. They're not going to be too far away. Yeah, I mean, we, Sam, we've had plenty of debates and probably hours this season speaking about David Wagner and his, his future. But you, you speak to fans every game, outside the ground, before the game, after the game. Do you sense a shift, a turn in feeling towards David Wagner? I mean, it, it, it did get very, I don't know if toxic is the right word, because there, there was a, a genuine reason why those criticisms were levelled at Norwich City at the time. I mean, you, you, Paddy illustrated the run earlier. It was it seven defeats in nine. It was a, a woeful run of form, uh, injuries or, or no injuries. Um, do you sense now there's been there's been a shift in the fan base? Yeah, I think a, a little bit, maybe not as much as, as you might expect. I think it's still in a situation of the jury being out, but I think that's probably justified given nothing's actually been achieved yet I think if they could actually get into the playoffs into the actual top six and Vans could see that on the table tangibly then that would probably do a lot for him but I feel for him a little bit in the sense that when things are, are going wrong it's all the head coach's fault and there's a lot of criticism aimed towards him and then as soon as it starts going right it's the players fault and it will not fault or the, the credit goes to the players and and they're highlighting what sort of a brilliant squad Norwich have at this level when I'd say well, obviously, as is always the case in football, really, it's probably a, a blend of both. And I think both have improved their performance over sort of the last few months, the, the players on the pitch and Wagner in terms of his decision making and a little bit more consistency and some slightly more understandable sort of team selection. But I think, yeah, fans are sort of getting there. And the way that you can tell that is that I think he's actually slipping down the the pecking order in terms of topics of conversation around Norwich at the moment, where at the start of, or not the start of the season, but maybe a couple of months ago, I was going into those sort of, you know, those videos, those conversations, knowing that if I didn't ask the question about Wagner, that quite quickly it would be mentioned by somebody and that people were probably tuning into those videos to see what their fellow fans had to say about Wagner. Now I can quite easily go through several of those conversations without any of the the fans sort of mentioning Wagner. So I think in that sense, it's been highlighted maybe the unfairness to an extent of, of being a, a football manager, but there's also evidence that, yes, he is maybe gaining a little bit of of credit um, with fans, but, you know, there's always been a, a fairly diverse sort of spectrum in terms of 
what different people think of Wagner. I think there's probably quite a lot of changeability in the fan base actually about how how they they view him. Whereas with previous head coaches, you know, sort of Daniel Farker, Dean Smith, it felt like fans were maybe more set in the good and bad times on on what they thought about the head coach and, and where they stood on him. I think with Wagner because it's been these long lurches of good form, long long periods of bad form. There's not really been a time of consistency to establish actually what is the average level of this team under David Wagner. So, to be fair, I think if if this trend continues until the end of the season, um, which you'd obviously expect would end in playoff qualification, if they do manage to do that, then I think that tangible sign will will give Wagner fans something to to point at and maybe the doubters some evidence that he is the man to take them forward. But yeah, just. In the conversation, I think you can tell that he is he is showing fans maybe what he's capable of just because of how much further down the topic of conversation um, he seems to be, which, yeah, I do feel for him a little bit in that sense, but uh, I'm sure he knows that, that he's getting there now and he probably feels quite relieved in that sense as well. It's, it's waves, isn't it, I think, as a, as a head coach. You want to kind of have be able to ride them out and make sure they never get too high that you can't quite you know or you fall off the end of one but um i think you'd have uh, certainly for amongst some Norwich fans you've got good money on uh, on David Wagner still being Norwich City's head coach at the end of february in or the beginning of february in that uh, in that autumn run so that's a testament i think to to the progress that, that he's made and the team has made and i guess adam the key to that is probably a better balance between what we're seeing and I think certainly the last two home games have illustrated that slightly I actually felt Norwich were probably slightly better in the first half actually today than than they were the second um, in terms of the control and how they limited Coventry I thought they limited Coventry and O'Hare in particular a lot better in the first half than they did the second but there, there seems to be now a better balance at the start of the season we saw it they were they were too open they were too expansive they were getting done in transition pretty consistently then it seemed to lurch the other way understandably because if you've got a massive issue at one end you turn the tap off and they they were then suddenly lurching to being too pragmatic and too defensive and I guess that that um, came to a head at, at the Southampton game and just recently it feels like the blend has been a little bit better they've been able to get the, the some kind of attacking opportunities coupled with that defensive solidity one hasn't come in compromise of the other which I guess it felt like was the case earlier in the season. Yeah, of course, that's been helped by the options he, he's got available to him. You know, arguably Norwich's strongest eleven was on the pitch today, um, and that of course helps in in trying to get that balance. Um, as we saw at the start of the season, when all those players were available, um, they were performing to a, to a pretty high level, and we were in the top two for the first sort of six, seven games of the season. Um, and it feels like maybe we're back there now. But yeah, I think you looked kind of elements across kind of the, the pre-Christmas games and they were defensively a lot better but maybe didn't have that sort of creative output um, they weren't really scoring the goals it kind of felt like they needed one goal and not to concede to be able to win a game um, now it's kind of they've got them players that, that when they do hit the counter you know signs as we saw today for such a such a creative outlet um, fast um, tricky with the, you know and he's able to bring them up the pitch you know I think that's where Johnny Rowe is so crucial because I felt at times today Fashion Act was another you know as an option didn't really help them when they were trying to get up the pitch um, and when they lost the ball in dangerous areas they looked quite quite susceptible to um, to allowing Coventry to create opportunities but yeah credit goes to, to David Varden and the coaching staff because yeah the general balance um, in and out of possession they, they look a lot better um they're creating the opportunities now. Sergeant obviously is crucial to that in terms of what he does in terms of the runs in behind and being able to stretch the play a bit. Um, but yeah, keep keep this team fit, um, keep them performing to, to these levels that David Wagner's got them performing to at the moment and, and tactically, you know, making the right changes at the right time, which you know, that's to his testament, that's what he'd done today and that's what won them the game. Um if he can continue that, then yeah, they're, they're going to be in and around it. And um, I think fans would be happy walking out of Carrow like they were today if they see a performance like that from their team. Um, and as we saw at the end of the game, they got the reaction they deserved the players today and David Wagner for what was a you know, really enjoyable afternoon um, at Carrow Road. I'm, I'm going to try and sum up where I think we are in a, uh, in a GIF. Have you seen? You know when Ralph uh, Hassenhutel celebrated and he ran across the touchline, and it was whoa, calm down. That's that's kind of where it feels a little bit like we are at the moment. There's this sense that I think there's a, a tentative, a tentativeness, willing or, or tentativeness kind of. Um, yeah, confidence maybe that things are getting better without 
kind of people going in two-footed yet, which I guess is, is probably right given the body of evidence that we've seen over the, 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 the start of the season. And what I would say is I still think this Norwich team are, are giving big chances away too readily, really. I mean, you still had to call upon Angus Gunn today to produce two unbelievable saves um, from from Hadji Wright and uh, and Casey Palmer. And at that, that point, the game was one one. In commentary, we were down to ten men. So if that goes in, then um, oh goodness me, it would have been uh, it would have been quite quite something in a negative sense. I think um, Borja Science Paddy. It's uh, actually we'll go we'll go around everyone and ask this: What was better, Anfield or the one this afternoon in terms of his goal? Well, I mean. Is either the aesthetic part of that debate or the significance for me today, hands down, because uh, it's one of a crucial game from a losing position. Uh, and who knows where that could catalyst them to now. I mean, Anfield was a brilliant goal and the, and the characters involved, you know, Van Dijk backing off and Alisson couldn't get near it. Um, you know, he'll probably put that above if you were to ask him, I'm sure, but given it was Anfield and, and all that's all the history that goes with that. But... Uh, no, I mean, who cares? I mean, he has a majestic right foot and when he unleashes it in and around the penalty box, uh, it stays hit. So, uh, just need to work him into them positions now. And to be fair, after the Anfield game, David said he hoped that would kick him back on again because we'd seen that, hadn't we, in his first two or three goals in English football. And what I would say is now, I mean, you know, he came from, from Turkish football with a very impressive goal contributions tally per game ratio well, you can start to see now that he really does have, you know, goals and assists in his locker. And, um, you know, if he stays fit now, I think he could be a big player down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, which one's better for you? Well, yeah, Anfield was probably more shocking. I think it was more of a surprise that he managed to, to score that goal. But, uh, yeah, that, that goal today is becoming a bit of a, a trademark now, isn't it? If you were... If you were doing opposition analysis, I would be very, very worried every time Borja Sainz got the ball on the corner of the box because I'm not sure I've seen too many times where he doesn't put that in the far corner, to be honest. So, um, yeah, that could definitely be very helpful. But unfortunately, as much as for the moment, I'd love to say um, today's goal was better. I think objectively that Anfield one was was the better goal, unfortunately. Adam, I think you've got the casting vote here, really. Yeah, I'll, I'll conclude on the, the element of the Anfield goal being the better goal, but I think yeah, for today for what it what it meant for Norwich and kind of the the wider perspective of where this season's going. Um yeah, that that was a huge goal and a huge moment in a in a game that could have gone either way. Um as we sort of spoke about at the start of the show, a point today, you walk out of that ground feeling a little bit deflated. Um that goal signified um what could be as Norwich's season's kind of been so far, built on moments that could be the moment that, you know, catapults this team forward um, to hopefully bigger and better things for, for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, what's happened there is these two have sat on the fence and I've actually answered the question. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Paddy's probably right in terms of aesthetically, it's probably the Anfield goal. In terms of significance, it's uh, it's, it's probably the, uh, the the goal this afternoon against Coventry. Uh, for, you know, for to add it, uh, Gabrielle Saro was asked that question and uh, he said that today's one against Coventry was better but for the significant reasons I think rather than the aesthetic reasons if that goal maybe would have got them a replay or whatever I'm sure it, it would have been the goal that was picked um, Paddy there was a lot of uh, very bizarre talk about sexiness around this game um, or unsexiness from uh, David Wagner in a, in a pre-match press conference that all got a bit stormy in the teacup all got taken a little bit out of context I think and um, twisted slightly but it, it got Mark Robbins into a little bit of a, a tiz I think that's fair to say um, the Coventry fans as we heard when when uh, when they went 1-0 up were using it as ammunition um, to have a dig at David Wagner at Norwich um, yeah it was uh, it, it was a it was a weird one wasn't it well yeah very bizarre interlude I mean uh, I mean it was our press it was our questions it was you know our pre-match presser but uh Seems to have hit more in the in the West Midlands than in in Norfolk because you know anybody. Were you offended by it as uh, commentary folk? Well, I did raise an eyebrow actually, and, and <laughs> to be fair, now, now and I did look at the head of comms. I won't name him, but uh, we all know who he is, uh, who sits to the side of David on the stage. But I, I was putting that down to he wasn't aware of my affiliations. But uh, but having said that, the, the actual I think if I'm right in saying the actual question was, can you assess the job? Or how good a job Mark Robbins has done there. You know, been there since 2017. We know his Norwich connections, but he's I've said it on uh, 
Rayo Norfolk uh, in the build-up. You know, he is a messiah figure amongst the Cov faithful. And David Wagner, his answer was, yes, a phenomenal job that that guy has done and full credit to him. But acknowledging that, you know, for some, uh, you wouldn't bracket Coventry as being in that top rank of championship, you know, principles, really. Pain on his face, Leo <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's another podcast there. But, uh, but uh, you know, if it, I mean, I'll be, I'll be, frankly, there's people around Mark Robbins in the Coventry camp who've let him down. If, if, they've, if he actually thinks that that was what David Wagner came out with, because it's very clear from our footage, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to go dig very far to to get the full context of what he said. Now, wh- whether he wanted to use it as a motivational tool, which if you look at his comments, Mark Robbins, that seemed to be the case with his players. That's fine, but uh, he would have himself known, or somebody should have pointed out to him that that there wasn't it wasn't really David Wagner. It certainly wasn't David Wagner having a pop at him, his methods, his football club. Um, it was the opposite. If anything, it was very complimentary. Yeah, absolutely, and to be fair, David, you know, tonight post match uh, was very quick to, to point out if there has, was any uh, you know misrepresentation or taken out of context he apologised and reiterated again you know his admiration for the job Mark Robbins has done at that football club and and how much he loves how they're going about the task of as Norwich are trying to get themselves in the shake-up so you know what's float what floats your boat I remember many years many years ago now um, one of the Paul Lambert promotion seasons where uh, I think though Danny Wilson, who was at Barnsley at the time, if I'm if I'm <laughs> right, and yeah. and uh, he came out with something which could be deemed as fair or taken by if you were a Norwich perspective. Uh, I think it was something like, "Will they stand the heat in these sort of big type of games, um, or they wilt?" And from what I'm led to believe, Lambert had that on the walls around Colney all during the week, and they got the desired result. They got a result and. And then Danny Wilson came in, I remember, into his post-match and was saying he'd been taken out of context. So, Is that when he was looking for you, that, that one? Well, you know, uh, I don't think I was in that press, but it was relayed <laughs> to me. But uh, it just underlines that, you know, this this is a well-worn tactic and and the fact that Norwich have won the game, it clearly, you know, hasn't had any detrimental impact from the Norwich perspective. But, uh, you know, as I say, go, go and watch the clip and... Uh, and it's poor. It's poor if Mark Robbins has been uh, informed incorrectly that that's what David Wagner came out with. So, you know, certainly the Nor- that certainly their fan base felt that was the way it had, it had been uh, construed, and that that wasn't the case at all. But uh, you know, that's the world we live in. Social media has a life of its own, and uh, you know, fragments of things can be taken and twisted and put out there in a different sense or through a, viewed through a different filter. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a very sexy game of football from both protagonists, if I'm honest. I enjoyed it a lot, even though maybe with my personal hat on, I'd have preferred Gov to get a result. But uh, um, I think there was plenty of you know sexy moments in that game. I mean, for, for our science, you, cannot, you cannot tell me that that wasn't a, a thing of beauty. So, um, you know, there you go. But as I say, I mean, uh, if Mark Robbins took it that way, then... So be it, but uh, I think David Wagner uh, had words with him after the game, so um, one would hope that's all been smoothed over. Um, and uh, you know, let's roll on for the let's maybe you never know Wembley playoff finals, not beyond the realms that would all add, add to that. I'd, I'd certainly sign for that now, yes, indeed. And despite the weather much improving, it was a, it was a it was a frosty mix zone, I think, as David Wagner was stood at one end and, and Mark Robbins the other conducting their, their post match interviews. But, um, yeah, very it's, it's incredible how these things can out of nothing really, um, mounting out of a, a molehill, etc. Um, I think that's the end. I don't think we need to say any more about sexiness or whatnot. Um, Sam, I know you wanted to, to talk about Josh Sargent and and uh, not not just today but his, his impact more more broadly um and, and look the the numbers are there to see aren't they Norwich are a much better team of Josh Sargent in it yeah it's almost not to bring undue negativity but it's almost to the level of worrying about their dependence on him at, at this stage because yeah you look at those results and it's literally with him there a sort of promotion level side and without him they've been sort of bottom end of, of mid-table and that's being generous so I think that that tells you what sort of impact he's had. Wagner spoke post-match about you know how much they they missed him, and I think that might have been a nod to the sort of injury crisis comments he made throughout those those struggles, and maybe the fact that 
it was a little bit out of their hands um, when things were, were going poorly. But just to, to speak to the the capability of the player, you know, he, he came in and in the Premier League, especially playing off the right wing. I don't think anybody thought, even in the Championship, that he would be producing these sorts of moments. But maybe it's evidence that he should have been sort of through the middle all along. Yes, there was Tamer Pookie at the club, but arguably he didn't suit the style of play once Daniel Farker left and um you know Sargent's had to bide his time but ever since he's been playing through the middle it's not just been goals which have been consistent when he's been fit but also the the quality of performances and how important he is to that he was almost the the entire structure of of attacking in that first half especially there there wasn't much movement from sort of the attacking players behind him it felt like whenever the center backs or center midfielders got on the ball, it was just looking up to see what sort of movements Sargent was making. And uh, yeah, there are obviously some negative elements to that. But in terms of the the sorts of levels that he's reaching, it's probably not too long before sort of higher level clubs are, are sniffing around him and paying attention to what he's producing. Because he's still still young, still got plenty to learn at 23. He's, he's one of the younger players actually in the Norwich squad at the moment. And you look at sort of Adam Eder's career he's very soon to be the same age as the American and yeah he's he's sort of struggled to to make any anywhere close to the same impact as Sargent so um yeah I think that that shows quite how much he's improved sort of throughout his career and especially throughout his his time at Norwich it'll be interesting actually to see if either he does go up with with the club or if he ends up at another one at sort of Premier League level whether he could take this momentum into that or is it if it is just a sort of Cameron Jerome situation where he's very suited to the championship where he can thrive at this level. But yeah, make no doubt about it. If if he gets another injury, um, touch wood, not any wood, but um, you know, if he if he does get another injury you could probably say that that would put put paid to their sort of playoff bid because he's been the difference between, I mean, maybe it tells you a, a bit about the quality of the championship this season, but he's been the difference between a team that's fifth in the, the form table over the last few months and a team that was probably sort of 19th, 20th best in the division at the time that he was out. So, uh, yeah, just an absolutely enormous impact. And, um, yeah, as as Wagner said, he's just he's vital to them and, and will be if they're to get anywhere close to this sort of playoff race. In part two, we'll be bringing the heat. We'll be talking about Big Sydney and uh, Deadline Day and all of that good stuff. QPR as well next week. See you in two seconds, probably. You're listening to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast after their 2-1 victory over Coventry on Saturday, brought to you by Coleman's of Norwich, the very best condiments around. Um, I haven't got any new ones, I'm afraid, for you now. I think we've burnt through all of those with applesauce and whatnot, but very good mustard, so uh, so there you go. Um, which leans us on nicely onto our Bring the Heat segment. I'll give these guys a little bit of time to think, because obviously I knew I was going to do this and they maybe didn't. Um, so I'll kickstart. I'm, I'm going to go with Ashley Barnes today. I thought... Um, very, in, in, in a very difficult game and actually, uh, you know, he's, he's had some up and down performances. He's had critics. I've been a critic at point. I thought it was a, a, a very good performance, very good centre forward performance actually involved in, in two goals. And even though maybe he wasn't particularly a goal threat, I think he connected Norwich City's midfield and, uh, and their attack quite well actually in a point where they needed to and obviously you can see that with the uh, I don't know the first assist it would have been a bit kind if we're calling that an assist I think um, but but definitely the second one to uh, well it was it was more the passing to Sarah for the first goal that was impressive and then obviously the the, the one to to hold the ball up and uh, and tee up science for for the second so I'm I'm going to go for Ashley Barnes Sam let's come to you first who bought the heat for you this afternoon. Paddy should should like this one. I'm going to go for the Cov fans. I actually thought there was a a pretty good atmosphere at, at Carrow Road today. And although I spoke earlier about the fact that you know Norwich's form in recent weeks and their performance did help bring that, I thought especially with the, the sort of I know we weren't going to mention it again, but the sort of sexy comments and the role that that played in the the back and forth between the two sets of fans. I thought um, yeah, both sets of fans sort of spurred each other on, and it was nice to actually be in that sort of atmosphere at Carrow Road because it's it's been a while since we've 
seen that there. Um, and yeah, I thought the Cobb fans actually, to, to give them credit, played a big part in that. Adam, let's come to you. I want to go with Angus Gunn, I think, given kind of uh, the nature of the game. And he didn't have a lot to do, but in, in the moments that he had to provide, um, you know, big saves, he, he was there. And that just goes to, to under, underpin the point, really, that I think for me, he's, he's the best goalkeeper in the championship. And if you look at kind of the the body of evidence over recent games, I mean, you go back to the whole game, he was, you know, crucial in, in that victory. Um, Southampton, you know, look at the amount of efforts they had on goal that day. Again, you know, sublime and... Yeah, it's, it's one of them where, again, you know, we spoke about uh, Sargent and teams might be stiffened for him. I think Angus Gunn's another one. Um, he's, he's a Premier League goalkeeper in waiting. Um, and I think just enjoy him while he's here because uh, he's a top goalkeeper. Yeah, could, could definitely do a game on a new contract. I think he's one of the 25ers, isn't he? Um, there's quite a few of those, so that would be quite handy to sort that maybe before he does quite well in the Euros, I would suggest. There was a, a good save in the first half as well, where I think most keepers maybe would have caught, caught out by Hadji Wright at the near post, but actually it was a really good kind of agility to, to spring himself. He took a step the other way, so to spring back and push that wide was a, a good save as well. Paddy, you yeah, brought the well, heat for you. I was, I was going to say Gunny, but um, it's got to be Bohar, isn't it, of the ones still, still to pick out. I mean, just... Um, and we had a great view of it because we were side on in, at the back of the city stand. So you're never quite sure at that angle um, if it's on target or not. But the keep was at full stretch and just to see it hit the back of the net and then the, the eruption. Uh, and uh, Dan Hambury, who's there today for us for, for, for Focus Images, he's got some great frames, particularly Sargent. He's got a great inside the goal uh, picture uh, on his remote camera um, where he's actually between the legs of the keeper as you look through the netting um, and then there's a great frame of, of science as well you know the joy on his face when that ball hits the back of the net and you know, it's, I'm, I'm pleased for him as well because as I said to David in the presser you know you forget he and when we're talking about young players he's 22 I think if I'm right in saying if I think if not maybe just turned 23 hasn't he but uh New country coming in, want to make a big impact. Then he gets injured in pre-season, and effectively that, that wrote off the first half of this season for him. I know he came in and out just before Christmas. He had his episode at West Brom, which he'll learn from, and that that sending off there. But you know everything that we felt when it was first unveiled in the summer, and you thought, well, that that looks an astute piece of business. The way they've engineered that, um, you know, exercising the release clause from a relegated club in Turkey, but his age, his profile, where he plays on the pitch, the goal contribution element, all of that felt, yeah, this guy could be a bit special. And and now, today, underlines it, off the back of Liverpool, off the back of the Huddersfield game as well, that goal he scored that day, that they have a special talent there, I think. And now it's just for him, but also, as, as David Wagner said, is the elements that he, he's had to learn, the defensive elements, and he doesn't it doesn't come naturally to him, but he is willing to learn it. Um, but also those coaches as well, because make no mistake, like with John Rowe, you know, you have alchemy there, and it's just how they fashion it now and, and get him consistently performing to that level, um, and not just the the show real goals, but but in game as well. And you saw O'Hare and his influence for Coventry today, and and be that type of player maybe that almost the one who makes makes them tick and unlocks that creativity in the final third. So yeah, hopefully today. Um, We've seen again, you know, that that's a player who could be a difference maker down the stretch. Good stuff. And of course, we want to hear from you in terms of uh, who bought the heat. You can comment below on YouTube. You can get in contact with us if you're if you're listening. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that's. Uh some good answers there actually oh, uh, we're not scratching around like we usually are which yeah. just probably shows that Norwich have, uh, have done quite well today um, let's let's move on to, to deadline day and, and everything that, that happened around it then um, Norwich City obviously ending the, the window with a, a busy half an hour in the end it proved on on, uh, on deadline day Adam Eder, uh his low move to Celtic being confirmed Chemeswav Boete leaving the club permanently to join Swansea who have basically taken up his, his contract um, and then, obviously, Sydney Van Hoydonk uh, joining on loan from Bologna um, with, what was that, 10 minutes to, to spare in terms of the, the, the announcement, which I'm sure was cleverly, cleverly crafted, as, as, as these things always uh, always are. Um, let's start with the, the outs then, Sam. I mean, we, we spoke a lot about Adam Eder last week. Um, I, I guess the fact it's Celtic is, is, is probably the, the conversation point here because that feels like a, a good move for him. I mean, what, what, what's your views in terms of Adam Eder? going to Celtic on loan. It's, um, I think there's been a little bit of backlash, not against Adam Eden necessarily, but more Celtic's window by, by their supporters and, and maybe the 
ambition or, or lack thereof shown by by their board in, in the supporters' views? Yeah, I think for him on a personal level, it will definitely be a, a very pleasing one. He's already spoken quite a lot about the fact that he sort of grew up a Celtic fan. He said that when Norwich played them in pre-season at Celtic Park in, uh, in 2022, that he he said to his teammates at the time that he could see himself becoming a, a Celtic player at some point. And, um, you know, when you take into account all those reasons, especially the fact that he was quite keen to get out on loan, you know, David Wagner's confirmed that in his uh, his post-match today, but it was sort of quite clear, speaking to a few people around the deal, that that was the main driver behind it, was Eda's sort of desire for for some game time. So I think it, it ticks off some some objectives in that sense but in terms of the actual amount of football that he'll be getting and the amount of minutes yes he's he's managed to get out of Norwich where maybe he was quite firmly behind Josh Sargent and also Ashley Barnes who's definitely a favourite under under Wagner but if you actually look at sort of the striking department that uh, Celtic have they've got Kyogo Furuhashi up front who is you know, by all accounts, one of the best strikers they've had in in a, a really long time. They've also got O, the striker who's currently away at the Asian Cup, but will return obviously before long and and probably play quite a significant part for them. And you know, I've seen a couple of people actually suggest that he might be ahead of Ida, even if even if Furuhashi did come out of the team for for more fitness reasons. So I think he probably would have had more of a chance of actually achieving those minutes had he gone to sort of. Verona, uh, who are obviously the the main sort of Italian club link with him and, and interested in him. Genoa were interested in him earlier in the the window. But if you break it down into sort of the the personal factors making that decision for him, and it's a move abroad to a, a club you probably don't know much about, and it's quite a lot of upheaval just for a few months' loan um, versus you know, just moving north of the border, staying in the UK, going to a club he obviously knows very well from, from supporting them in his childhood and and the fact that it is his, his boyhood club. It, I think it's very difficult for, for him to sort of to turn that down, especially given he was at Norwich, which to, which to, to most people, to be honest, that, that aren't involved with it from childhood or, or support the club. It's just another sort of halfway between the Championship and Premier League club for him to then get the offer to go to the club that he's he's supported I think would be hard for for any football fan to turn down really so it definitely makes sense when you sort of put those factors together my only worry is whether he actually has advanced his chances of of really getting into into the the, the team and getting the experience that you know he he rightly wants he's nearly 23 and he hasn't started too many games in his career so yeah, I'm. I'm. I think in that sense, it maybe wasn't the best decision. But overall, for him personally, it, it's hard to to deny that that was that was right for him, really. Yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be interesting to see what what happens uh, with him because obviously we we were talking last week about a potential loan to Verona, which would have included a uh, an option to buy, and I think they they did return to the table pretty late on with with an offer that that maybe was a lot closer to Norwich City's valuation uh, of him in terms of that buy option. But I think by the time Celtic came in, it was uh, an absolute no-brainer for him. And he's he started well today with a, uh, an assist against Aberdeen. So um, it's, I'm sure Norwich fans will be watching his progress with with interest. And it'll be intriguing to see how he gets on in those uh, old firm games. And the way Scottish football works, there's probably about five <laughs> between now and the, the end of the season. But they're, they're truly in a title race and uh, drop points today. Um, so the pressure is, uh, as it always is up there, going to be firmly on Celtic and um, and Adam Eder in particular to, to produce the goals for them. Adam, uh, you've got, I don't know, you've got the long straw or the short straw, you get to speak about Shemeswav Boeta. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to look at this one with, with anything other than, than disappointment in terms of his, his Norwich spell, someone that they, they spent a reasonable bit of money on for Norwich, around £3 million pounds to, to get him out of Poland. Um, I don't think you can you can doubt the physical qualities that he had, but probably and, and look, had injuries. I know he had some, some really some health issues as well after, after COVID and, and whatnot, but just a player that never really kind of, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I can say kicked on. He never really... Um, did much at Norwich. I'm trying to find a nicer way to say it than that, but um, it, it was a struggle for him here, wasn't it? So maybe a, a fresh scene, I'm trying to put a positive spin it, maybe a fresh uh, fresh scene in Swansea is, is the best thing for him, but but you know, considering his contract wasn't going to be renewed, it, it made, and David Wagner outlined it today, financial sense for, for Norwich to, to find him a new, new home, essentially. 
Yeah, you can imagine for him it's been sort of a, a few years where he's not played games consistently. Um, and, you know, he's still a relatively young man. I'm sure he wants to try and progress his football career and, and ultimately, you know, given the contractual situation, he wasn't going to be continuing that at, at Norwich past the summer anyway. So get yourself out the door, go and, go and play some football. And, you know, Swansea typically uh, I play a decent brand of football. Um, so I think there's, you know, a few alignments there from maybe what he was used to at Norwich in terms of, sort of a, a style of play um whether you know they can unlock any potential in him um is yet to be yet to be seen um he definitely had like the raw minerals you need to be a good winger he had the pace he had the phys- you know the physicality that you mentioned it, it probably was that end product which kind of makes or breaks whether you're a a good winger um whether that's in, in the premier league the championship whatever whatever division you're playing in it, it is you know that output of goals and assists, which we're getting from John Rowe, we're getting from Borja Sainz. Um, unfortunately, we, we didn't really get that from Shemi Plajeta. Um You kind of then have to question the recruitment when they brought him brought him in. Um, yes, all right, he had a decent track record in Poland, but um, I think that was one that was mainly done via data, um, whether they actually went and locked eyes on him enough to, to really make an informed decision on whether he would work for for Norwich and what they were trying to do under Daniel Farker at the time um, is, is a different story. Of course, got off to a pretty good start with the goal against Preston, um, but yeah, it never really kicked on. And yeah, wish him the best of luck for for the rest of you know the rest of this campaign and moving forwards in his career. Um, and let's hope, yeah, for, for his sake, he can make you know, plenty of good memories at, at Swansea uh, moving forwards. Yeah, not not his fault, but there's part of me that's quite glad I don't have to type Shemeswav anymore. That's that's a difficult that's a difficult one to get your head around. Um, there was a point where I nailed it, and then he was injured and went out alone for a while, so I didn't have to type it for ages. And then he came back, and it was like, oh goodness me! I had a nice conversation with him in Germany. I think it might have been after Kaiserslautern um, when that you know we had that storm and the players came off the pitch, and uh, he, he was he seemed he seems a, a really nice chap. So I hope he I hope he does well at, at Swansea. Just one that I think both parties will shake hands on and and admit that it didn't quite work out and. Um, that leaves you, Paddy, to, to talk about the incoming. Sydney Van Hoydonk, not Stanley, as you keep referring him, referring uh, no, to him. No, I wish you hadn't mentioned that now because <laughs> I've managed to wean myself off that. Yeah, my lad's got a Stanley at his nursery. So initially, uh, in fact, I even whacked him in the, the, the blog we did on deadline day as uh, Stanley. I had to think about that as well. But Sydney, now he's very think firmly, Australia. Now he's very firmly SVH. Yes. So we'll keep it at that. Yeah, he's a big boy, isn't he? Yeah, do you want to tell the viewers slash listeners about your theory about his running style, Connor? We'll leave that for another day. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Okay. I think it's one to observe. Fair enough. But I mean, clearly knows where where the net is. I mean, uh, yeah. in terms of in terms of a, a signing and, and and whatnot, it's um it's an interesting one because you you look at him and his career. He's not a player that I guess in in many other cases of that Norwich have signed that is is really big in terms of pressing and, and his data in terms of turnovers that that isn't quite there but in terms of his, his penalty box play uh, my immediate kind of comparison uh, not comparison but kind of stylistically the player that I thought was was kind of a Jordan Rhodes type do you know what I mean in terms of maybe in and around the box there isn't that kind of link up or energy that maybe a Josh Sargent brings you but really comes alive in the box and I think you see that from maybe his statistics in, in Dutch football in particular. Yeah, well, I think he said himself, didn't he? It was about 30 goals and 60-odd games in the era divisor. So that's, and I think that's pretty comparable to the top end of the championship, if I'm honest. I think the Serie A, clearly technically and quality level, is many, many levels above the championship. So I'm not unduly concerned that in between that purple patch in, in Holland and this season in Serie A, he's found it tougher going in terms of game time, but also goals. Um Put it to David after tonight's game. What is he? You know, for the people who don't really know and haven't really drilled down into what type of striker you acquired, loan obviously, but potentially with a view to a buy. Um, he said, "Yeah, in in the box, his goal record would would tell you that, stating the obvious." But he feels he has more of a rounded game and that he can be decent, maybe in build-up areas. And time will tell. Um, he's certainly, he's certainly physically a huge presence. So. Um, yeah, I think it's very exciting because I look at him, I look at Sargent and, and their age and profile. And you just think if you could get those two harnessed, um, what an attacking spearhead that could be. Um, Do you think Sargent might become a yeah. little bit deeper? Well, it, it, to, to be to be seen, isn't it? It's very hard to, to definitively talk about Van Hooydonk until we've seen him in a regular run of games, I think, in this Norwich team and how Wagner views him principally. But... Uh, Obviously, Ashley Barnes will have to plenty to say, and that you know might have fueled him in his cameo today. You know that he knows he's he's got to raise his levels clearly from maybe where he was in terms of productivity. Um, you know, not in terms of his maybe you know 
the elements of his game that aren't quite as eye-catching that he clearly brings to that, that team. But um, I think for me, jury's out because, you know, I can't confess that I'm any uh, expert in Serie A or, or Eredivisie football, so or any league for that matter, before anybody says it. But... Um, <laughs> So until until we've seen what he's all about, yes, you can look at the goal record. Yes, I look at his physical prowess in terms of his presence on the pitch, um, and you think, yeah, he looks a good addition. But um, but we need we need to see, don't we? We need to see. But uh, you know, and Adam Eder, for for all his you know faults, you know, if you strip it down and look at the goals per minutes on the get on on the on the pitch this season, very healthy return. So. You know he's going to have to. He's also going to have to step up if he's going to improve on Eda's productivity. Um, but yeah, you have to be fairly excited by a player who's effectively a Serie A asset because you know that's one of the top leagues in Europe. So if he was deemed good enough to be recruited by Bologna, he's got something about him. And um, you know, as I've said to a few people, if he turns out to be half as good as his old man, then they've definitely got a player on their hands. Yeah, I can't really remember Pierre, but um, yeah, it sounds. Uh, could take a free kick, couldn't he? So uh, that's yeah. That's... But I mean, he was in like he was in the Dutch. I'm pretty sure he was in the Dutch squads at like World Cup '98, 2000, 2004. You know, high-end player played for Celtic as well, didn't he? As Forest in this country, um, yeah. So uh, he certainly has got the right pedigree, but doesn't always follow, does it? But we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't profess to look at it through the eyes of a Norwich fan, but I, I did detect when this was becoming apparent in the last few days of the window and then obviously they got it over the line and you saw it today his reaction the reaction today when he came on the pitch and when he came to warm up you know genuine excitement I think and maybe a little bit of optimism that um, yeah I, I like the look of this signing it feels like a good signing it feels like a progressive kind of under the radar type signing maybe in parallels with science you know in terms of they haven't gone for a tried and trusted and uh, an experienced old head. No, they've tried to do something a little bit different out of the box and moving it forward, you know, it, it might give us a little glimpse into how Napa views recruitment as well. So, yeah, quite quite enthused by that, but time will tell. He saw the sights of Colney, didn't he? The soccer bot and uh, the, <laughs> the Dessa pitches. I mean, he's, he's seen the, all the, the sights. Wall, the wall as well. Don't forget the wall, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name will be on that now. It will indeed, yeah. yeah he's probably gone back there to put it on there now tonight, hasn't he? <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, well... I liked his reaction when he saw Cairo for the first time. He was very taken with uh, the higgledy-piggledy nature of the stands, to paraphrase that, he's a good actor. We don't want to take anything out of context. We, we don't want to be accused of that. Sure. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, he seemed... he seemed, uh, And I'm sure t- today, now he's experienced it. It, it. Funnily enough, I did just happen to catch, um, as I looked up, as they were coming back inside um, after the game. Um, and he was wreathed in smiles, his face, a broad grin. I mean, it was almost like, oh, I like this. I like this vibe. I like I like the atmosphere that was generated. Um, I want to be part of this, and uh, you know, again, it, on top of science, on top of Sergeant today, you know, you add him into the mix again. It's been a very good afternoon, I think. Yep, agreed. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how he how he gets on. And obviously, I'm sure in in the weeks to come, we will we will see and learn a lot more about him. Um, and definitely that his name is Sydney and not not Stanley. not Stanley. Yeah. Um, QPR then, Sam, before I take it into a completely different direction. I mean, it's, um, again, it, it feels, I don't want to say banana skin, but it, it does have that type of feeling around it, doesn't it? After the Lord Mayor show of what's been quite a big few weeks for Norwich City. Yeah. And, and for all of kind of the positive talk that we have had today, and rightly so, and rightly over the, you know, the, over their body of work over now a couple of months or so, um, it is... I guess they're still not in that top six, are they? So they've had to achieve or they've had to do what they've done over the last two months to put them within touch of the top six. Yeah. It's now about whether they can take the next step and push themselves into it. And these are the type of games that if they want to do that, they need to be winning. Well, that's the, exactly the thing, really, is, uh, yeah, they've done it against the, the really difficult opposition. They've had actually a really positive run when we were looking at the fixture, fixture list, worrying that maybe that, that playoff push would come completely undone in the last couple of months. So, you know, they have to absolutely capitalise on that. I'm sure the the regret would be unbelievable if they managed to do all of this and then slipped up against, obviously, the likes of QPR. And that's not to take them lightly. I think they've shown some clear improvement since Martí Fuentes went in there. And they did look 
to be fair, a pretty good side when they came to Carrot. Well, I don't, that game didn't really allow anyone to look like a good side, but they were certainly a, a decent match when they came to Carrow Road and, and lost only 1-0. It feels like we're at QPR all the time, actually, so I'm not particularly enthused by the idea of a, a trip to Loftus Road. But They've signed Isaac Hayden. be nice to see him. <laughs> yeah, nice reunion. Wasn't That was like one of his very, very few games. I think that might have been his only start, actually, under Wagner. Um, when he was at Norwich is that he started at, at Loftus Road but um, yeah it's one where Wagner definitely has to guard very firmly against um, complacency and it will be interesting to see how actually he addresses it because I think he probably consciously sort of built up the, the size of this game I think he probably looked at their record in recent games and, and knew that his players were up for a big occasion were able to perform under pressure and, and was open about how big a game this is uh, this was sorry this weekend against Coventry so it'll be interesting to see how he he frames it I'm sure he'll be very respectful um in this press conference and and he'll <laughs> without reference to anything in particular um but you know how how sort of managers speak and um yeah I think he'll be he'll be definitely aware of how big a shame it would be for him and his players if they were to waste this positive run by by failing to capitalise on it against maybe some of the, the weaker sides in the league. So, um, yeah, all about guarding against complacency because they've shown very clearly that they have the players and the capabilities to, to beat a team like QPR. Indeed. Um, Paddy, if, if you were a, a, an author of a book and you were going to write a book about a Norwich City player, um, which, which, one would you, uh, which one would you choose? Or pass what's, player. What's prompted that, Connor? As I look down at this table, <laughs> for anybody who's, not, who's, not who's only listening, that will mean absolutely nothing. But in front of us is a nice glass table on which there is a rather nice yellow and green hardback book, which maybe you should introduce. Yeah, to. there is. So this is a uh, a book that was given to me by uh, my granddad. Actually, who's held on. There's a reason why he's held on to it. He's not just a, a massive fan of of Neil Adams, which which is who it's based on. I don't know if the camera can can pick that up. Um, and I'll go through the, the connection in a minute. But uh, so this is basically a book, uh, and I think it's a children's book. So it's written written by Harriet Haynes, uh, I guess at some point in the 90s. Um, and it's a series of books based around. So the title is A Day in the Life of a, uh, and I'll read you some of the the other professions that they've that they've gone through: police officer, ambulance team, firefighter, doctor, postman, uh, an RSPCA inspector, uh, a ref, <laughs> refuge collector, nurse, a farmer, a vet, a dentist, a bus driver, a teacher, a hairdresser, a baker, a school caretaker, so all the, all the major professions, a train driver, a flight attendant, a computer consultant, and then a footballer. So this is the footballer edition, and it is centred around a certain Neil Adams, who uh, is wearing his uh, Dortmund shirt. Isn't it? Is it? it is that kit, I think. Yeah. So it would have been from from that season. Um, I, I won't read you the whole thing because it will get a bit CBB's bedtime story. But I, I, like the, I like the page about what happens at half two on a match day. Yeah, which is so. Uh, I'll read you. So there's a little bit. So I'll try and hold it up. I don't know how much or how well that's going to come across on the camera. It's uh, horrendous, I know, for audio. But there's a, a nice picture of him in a BMW outside Colney, and it says Neil Adams is a footballer. He plays for Norwich City Football Club. The day before a, a match, Neil arrives at the training centre at 9:30 a.m. Then a little bit about you know going to see the uh, the the physiotherapist, which would have been Tim Shepherd, would it? I think at that point. And then there's uh, him on a machine that looks like a desktop fan is the only way I can really describe. It. But I guess it's some type of uh, exercise bike from the nineties. There's a little bit on uh, on training there. You can you can see lots of images there in bibs and cones and all all that good stuff and practicing dribbling. But I'll, I'll get you up to to match day, which is there's a nice nice picture of him eating some some food. I don't know what he's eating there. It looks like something. With mash and gravy, and he's having a nice orange squash with that. So that's nice to see. Um, this is uh, this is this is the the best one. So uh, this is page twelve of a day in the life of a footballer. It says at two thirty p.m. Neil and the rest of the team are changed and ready. They come onto the pitch to warm up. Can I have your autograph, Neil? One uh, one fan asks, uh, and then it goes on to talk about the players stretching and whatnot. Norwich win this game. I don't actually know who they're playing in in the picture. Someone in red. Uh, it might be, I've got a feeling in my head, it might be Cheltenham. Uh, yeah, I think it is. And, and they, they win 5-0 apparently, so there you go. But the, the very loose family connection is, uh, there's a picture here of a juggler. That's, uh, that's my uncle who's a show-off. Um, and uh, he's a professional 
children's entertainer now but uh he, so he's juggling which is why we've kept hold of this book but it's it's very random that it's uh that it's based on neil adams and he handed to me uh, handed that to me and i thought that's very odd and we can use that on a podcast when they win so uh there we go so um yeah a book based on on neil adams adam and, and you're going to take it home and, and read it before you go to bed tonight you told me i was gonna say i'd, I'd have been <laughs> rushing to the shops to buy it if you hadn't <laughs> get offered me that opportunity to be honest um yeah, that is probably the most random book I think I've ever seen. Um, didn't know it existed. I wouldn't have known if it, it still existed if you wouldn't have told me. So um, I'm very grateful to uh, your granddad for allowing me to now know that Neil Adams is, is a star of a 90s book. Who would you base it on now, Paddy? If you had to pick a Norwich City player, who who would you go on for a day in the life of a footballer? Who would you like to learn a bit more There's about? There's only one, isn't there, from a, from a character point of view, the Cuban baller. Mind you, we probably feel like we already know his life. You know, he like, like yeah, drinks a lot of coffee, doesn't he? Likes his coffee, yeah. Yeah, so maybe not him. Let me think. Mm, who'd be a bit edgy? Mm. Shane Duffy, that would be my Big one. Grant. Big Grant. Grant Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. He'd soon, soon, I'm sure, point out if he wasn't happy with the autograph hunter at 2.30 on a, <laughs> prior to kick-off. So, yeah. No, to be fair, I don't really want to read any day in the life of any footballer. Sure? If it's as... You know, riveting as that. There's some, there's some nice bits in the back about how to exercise properly. To be honest, I'd rather read The Day in the Life of the RSPCA Inspector, <laughs> if I'm brutally honest. There you go, The Day in the Life of an RSPCA Inspector and A Day in the Life of a Footballer based around, uh, based around Neil Adams. There we go, that's probably, uh, that probably quite a surreal way to end the podcast, but we will end it there. A brilliant win for Norwich City this afternoon. Playoff hunt firmly on, and uh, let's hope in a, in, in a few months' time we reflect on today as the day maybe where their season changed. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for our sponsors, Coleman's, and we'll see you again for the next one next week. See you soon.